I'm Brandon. And I'm Julianne. And welcome to Movie Quest. Welcome back, fellow nerds, to the latest episode of the Movie Quest podcast presented by Nerd Nexus. Julianne and I are particularly proud of this episode of the Movie Quest podcast because we're talking about 2018's Black Panther. Who could be more qualified to talk about this film than two generic white people? Keep on listening to find out why we jumped out of order in the MCU to make sure that we talked about this movie before any of the other Phase 3 films. Enjoy. Is this the most anticipated Marvel movie that we've watched so far? Um, I think for me, I've heard from people all over that this is an amazing movie. And I don't remember what year it came out, but I remember people talking about it. And like even my fifth graders now who were born in 2010 know this movie. Yeah. I know. That's wild. I know. It is wild. What year did this movie come out? 2018. Mm, okay. When we, let's, let's let the people know what we're watching today. Oh. I know. I just wanted to ask just anticipatory question. What are we watching? Black Panther. <laughs> there you go. Yes, that's right. We're watching Black Panther, and I think we are... I, I'm actually super-duper excited. This movie is like... A, it's an epic. It's um, like Shakespearean. There's a lot of awesome science fiction stuff going on, but it's very grounded. I think you're going to love the story. Um, I try to like go into these movies without giving you too much of an idea of like what you're about to see or whatever, but... I think you understand at least the um, like the cultural uh, importance of this movie and how it resonated when it came out, as you just mentioned. And it's probably not a shock to you to learn that this movie is pretty much considered a top five Marvel movie, if not the best one. I'm excited to see why. I love the idea of just like a traditional African culture, just full of tradition and... I don't know, just integrity. You know, I, that's like I, when I think of like an African king and an African queen, I think of people who are connected to the land and to community, basically the complete opposite of capitalism in America. Interesting take. I like that. I like that. I, I wonder, it begs the question, like, do you know what you're about to see? Like, do you, have you seen, you've never seen any of this? Do you even recall like the trailer? No, I've never seen a trailer. Oh, this movie's going to blow your mind in half. Um, okay, so like we mentioned, this movie came out in 2018. In fact, it came out February 2018, so that was three years ago. Um, it came out during Black History Month. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah. And, uh, and this was, um, I actually just wrote uh, a piece about um, Black Panther Part 2 for LRMOnline.com, which I write for. And so I'm kind of like, I've actually done a bunch of Black Panther research already, so I didn't really have to prep for this episode like I typically do. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it was, so it's directed by a dude named Ryan Coogler, okay, who is a Bay Area native. And he first came to prominence with his movie, I think it came out in 2013, it's called Fruitvale Station. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I've seen that movie. It's a true story. Yes, it is. It's yes, incredibly sad. So... Michael B. Jordan uh, plays a man who was basically gunned down by police at Fruitvale Station in Oakland. And um, that was like uh, Ryan Coogler's first like feature film out of college. And um, lots of critical acclaim. He went on to uh, direct Michael B. Jordan again in the movie Creed. He kind of came up with an original story and pitched it to... Um, he pitched it to... Stallone and Stallone was cool with it and they even brought back Sylvester Stallone for that film and um I've seen that movie too yeah it's great and so and so it was announced in somewhere around 2016 probably uh that um that Ryan Coogler would direct the film adaptation of Black Panther so um so yeah that's what we're watching today so Coogler was already critically acclaimed he uh, obviously, is black himself, and Pete goes in this. Yes, bro. I'm, and the lady from Walking Dead. Uh, I didn't even know Michael B. Jordan was in this. See, you're already spoiling oh stuff just gosh. by going to the Disney, the Disney Plus thing. So, oh, yeah, uh, this movie goes hard as fuck. Lupita, I love her. Uh, yes, I have definitely gone through my phases of obsession with Lupita Nyong'o. Okay, all right, and so who hasn't? <laughs> and so. Um, so Ryan Coogler directed this movie. It's got a predominantly African-American cast and crew. Um, it was written by him and a small team of writers. And um, uh, it's pretty epic. So we were introduced to Black Panther in the last movie that we watched. This is not the next movie in the sequence, like in the order that they were released in. I think I've already mentioned that to you. But uh, we're not going to get anything in here that is going to spoil anything else I'm quite confident of. Is he in any other of the other movies? I guess you'll have to wait and see. So there's, Okay, well, there's not like a piece of information we're gonna, we might need from another movie for this to make sense? No. Okay. Correct. That's correct. Uh, well, no, I mean, there is, but we've already seen what we need to know. Okay. And what I'm saying is there's no characters that are introduced in this that you haven't seen yet that you will, if okay. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this one's totally fine for us to watch. And I thought, because of the end of Civil War, where uh, Bucky was in... Um, Bucky. Bucky. When Bucky went under with uh, Steve there and T'Challa, I was like, you know what, this makes a ton of sense. And honestly, I'm super stoked for this one. And so I was like, let's queue it up. So, uh, yes, we, we get... Uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, uh, who is sadly deceased now, and I feel like this is that he. I probably haven't watched this all the way through since he died. In fact, I know I haven't, and it's going to make it really emotional for me. I know that just the nature of this story and like it's it's intense. It's okay to cry. It's okay uh, for men to cry. I may actually like when he was like that first shot of him in Civil War. I was like, oh shit! I got a little. I got mixed up. Um, so anyway, uh, let me take you on a tale of when I first saw this, if you don't mind, just very briefly. It was 2018. 
Um, when the trailer for this movie was first released, like the internet absolutely went insane. Like the memes on Twitter were insane. Um, just uh, the black community really rallied around it. There's not really ever been a superhero like this, you know, especially in the MCU with a budget like this one that, you know, is, you know, relatively family friendly, or at least it's, you know, a hero that, you know, young black children and any kind of children can look up to. Um, so it was really like a cultural moment and it was, I was, I was fucking there for it. And, I saw this opening night at the Alamo Draft House Cedars in Dallas, Texas, and you want like literally the most electric atmosphere I've ever been in in a movie theater. So cool. It was insane. Like and the truth is is that this movie brought people to theaters that hadn't been to movies in years. You know what I'm saying? Like this movie was a, a whole thing. And so we get in there and um, it was a buddy and I and we got in there and there was like uh, a local university's like uh, African drum corps like did a performance in the theater before the movie. And there was like uh, so cool. people like from I don't actually remember where, but like they had like tabling booths set up in the lobby of the Alamo Draft House where you could like learn, like get on mailing lists and stuff. Uh, to learn more about African culture and like it was like there were like hors d'oeuvres and stuff I was like <laughs> I was like what is going like it hors d'oeuvres it was incredible um, so yeah this was absolutely a thing and I very uh, I, I definitely had posted some things on Twitter about the movie I, I think to quote myself or paraphrase I said Black Panther is going to make an absolute shitload of money when it comes out and I mean this movie had legs in the box office it it went on to make one point three billion dollars at the box office worldwide, which is pretty. Is that more than Iron Man? Oh, oh yeah, yes it is. Um, this was easily the the highest grossing movie of that year, and uh, it was a really 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 big deal. So uh, and then I believe man I should have looked this up, but it was nominated for multiple Academy Awards, and. It, might have won a couple of them, uh, and I think this might might end up being your new favorite MCU movie. I'm excited to yeah. watch it. What else? What questions do you have? Any any other things to say about Black Panther before we uh, before we get started? No, like I guess I'm just curious what it, the storyline is going to be if it has to do with Bucky because this is what should I read that. Screen? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this is the Disney Plus little blurb about the movie. When an old foe puts his homeland of Wakanda and the entire world at risk, young King T'Challa must release Black Panther's full power to save them. Oh, very so mysterious. An old foe, so. Not a whole lot of information here. Maybe it's the bomb guy from the UN vote. Oh, Baron Zemo? I don't know. Yeah, could be. Who we'll can see. say? Let me think. All right, where where was the last time you saw where where did we see Black Panther? Recap real quick, sixty seconds. What happened in Civil War with Black Panther? Gosh, he was protecting his dad, and his dad died, and then he was like, "I'm gonna avenge my father's death," and I don't remember what happened after that. <laughs> I don't know if he did. You don't know if he avenged his dad's death or not. He didn't remember. Okay, did you like um, Chadwick Boseman as yeah. T'Challa? Yeah, yeah, I liked his accent. It's cool. He has like a weird, interesting, like regal quality to like he's a very calming presence. Mm -hmm. He's not like the most exciting dude, and I think in a way that's kind of why he's really cool in this role because 
he's sort of, um, you know, he's just very kind of cool, calm, collected. Uh, he gives off the vibe that he's royalty in some weird, like, esoteric way, which is very cool. But Some people just got it. Yeah, he definitely did. So, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Um, all right, I am super excited to get this rolling, and then let's come back and talk about it more afterwards. You ready? Let's do it. Okay, let's talk about Black Panther. It's been, what, two days since we watched it? Just rolled through two trailers, and I feel like I'm primed. I've got my notes. Are you ready to talk about Black Panther? I am ready. Let's do it. All right. What did you think about the movie? I thought it was awesome. I thought it led, led up to all the hype. I don't know the right phrase for that. Sure. Lived, lived up to lived all up, the hype. Led up. Lit up. Um, there were some unexpected things that... I wasn't expecting. Whoa. Um, but I think the thing that I appreciated the most and that I knew I would like about it the most is just like the tradition and honor of the African culture. I thought that was really cool. I thought the fighting scenes and, you know, when they're like the battling scenes for like who was going to be king were really cool and stuff like that. So I like how they brought in that aspect of it. Was it emotional at all for you have knowing now that – Chadwick Boseman is not here anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think that if he was like a villain, not that you wouldn't care that he wasn't alive now. Of course you would. But, you know, it's like you just love him so much in this movie and you just are rooting for him. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah having This is probably my first time to watch it maybe in like two years or no, like one year maybe. I definitely haven't watched it since he died. And um, I, I mean, I, I was literally insane with joy in the theater like while i was watching it afterwards i definitely think it's a top five marvel movie it's in contention for number like the singular best one and i think that one of the best things about it is how it stands it stands on its own apart not that it takes place outside of the rest of the mcu because claw is there and um and agent ross is there and uh you know there's some references to other things and of course we have bucky in the post credit scene but for the most part like it is on its own it takes place almost entirely in wakanda and parts of korea mm-hmm. and london i suppose but um yeah it just kind of does its own thing and it feels stronger for that in some way which is amazing but um yeah i think this was the very first picture the very first marvel movie and it might still be the only one that was nominated for the academy award for best picture mm-hmm. which is a huge fucking deal and it was almost not it was nominated for six other academy awards including sound mixing sound editing um, best original score best original song costume design and production design and it won production design costume design and original score do you know who the composer for the movie was? Mozart. <laughs> no, literally no. But a similar sounding name, Ludwig Göransson. Mm. Does that name ring any bells to you? 
No. Never heard of him. So he start he is part of the production company, um Dad Gummin, I can't come up with the name of it, but he is a principal owner in the production company that Ryan Coogler is a part of as well. So they go way back, uh, the two of them. And Ludwig Gorenson composed the music for not only this movie, but also for The Mandalorian. And also he was the producer for Childish Gambino's uh, Awaken My Love record mm-hmm. and This Is America. Um, Ludwig Gorenson has been doing work the last couple of years, five years or so. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's a big deal and... I remember going into this movie like a couple of months before it came out, they announced that Kendrick Lamar was putting together the original soundtrack and he did an original song uh, that was nominated for um, an Academy Award. It was uh, All the Stars featuring SZA. Uh, it played over the uh, closing credits. Because baby, I like that and let me know all the stars are gone. <laughs> okay. You know that song? Yes. Yeah, that was nominated for an Academy Award, so mm-hmm. pretty pretty big deal. And then <clears throat> the other thing, I mean, even even watching it now, like just the costumes in general, unbelievable. Especially some of the costumes that the females wore. Angela Bassett, who was cool in this movie, her like African headdress thing her that was pieces were cool. yeah, that was amazing. And like the so, do you remember or did you catch the name of like the all female? Like Kingsguard for T'Challa, the Dora Milaje. Did you hear that name at all? Is she the one who was on Walking Dead? She is the. Her name is Okoye. She is the leader of the Dora Milaje. I don't. Anyway, they're they're like red and gold costumes with the shaved head. Oh yeah, yeah. They're like the guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Kingsguard. Sorry. Yes. 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 Yeah, those costumes, yes. super yeah. cool. Yeah, super uh, cool. Very African. You know, and it didn't seem it was like it was a whitewashed version of it. I mean, maybe I'm not very no. cultured in African culture. Maybe it was, but to me, it seemed very realistic. That's that. That's a fair point. And you know, the thing is, and I've heard this criticism elsewhere. Like, you know, Africa is an extremely big continent. It is, you know, just the Sahara region of northern Africa is the size of the United States. Oh. And then there's a whole other more than half of Africa. And there there are literally thousands of languages mm-hmm. and cultures and stuff like that. And I think I read on the IMDb, there are like six different languages that are spoken in this movie alone, including Korean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the movie is challenged right off the bat just by... Not that it's beholden to all African cultures. God, Lord knows we are not the people that should be talking about this particular topic. But, um, you know, it, the movie had a challenge right off the bat. You know, you have to, you know, represent this this group of people appropriately. And, I mean, I again, I can't, I can't say whether it did that successfully one way or the other, but... I'll tell you this, from an outsider, it was super, super badass. Um, and it seemed like, you know, like the five different tribes within Wakanda, and I can't come up with all of their names, but I know one of them is the Jabari tribe, but like they all kind of had sort of different stuff. Like when they came to the the waterfall thing for the uh, for the fight. Mm-hmm, the battle for the for king. Yeah, with the, M'Baku, the first battle. Mm-hmm. Like, they had all these different costume styles and all these different colors and all this different music and dances and stuff like that. I mean, 
Have you ever seen anything like that in any movie ever? No, I thought it was really cool. I knew that's what I would love about this movie. Yeah, it, it's freaking astounding. Um, so, shout out to to Ryan Coogler and the rest of the production team for this movie. I mean, it was truly an epic thing to pull off, and and like. <sighs> To put all that stuff together in pre-production, before you ever even roll the camera, you have to have all these costumes made and sets designed and all this stuff, and then and then the movie is actually good? Like, there's a lot of movies out there that have cool production design and sick costumes and stuff like that, but to do all that while also sort of having something to say in the movie, and then the movie actually just comes together and gets you from point A to point B in a way that tickles your emotions... Like, that's a feat. And I'm, even now, like, I've seen this movie. It it blew me away even now. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was awesome. I have some very interesting notes. I'm looking, I feel like it was longer that we watched this movie, but I have no sense of space and time. I so. think we, <laughs> I really don't. What day is today? God damn. Today's Monday. Okay, we're in the middle of the Texas blizzard. Mm-hmm. It is February 15th. So, yeah, we watched this, like, Wednesday or Thursday of last week, so it's maybe been like four days. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. Okay. Um, I have a lot of really funny, interesting notes. Why don't that... you start us off? Are you going to go plot line, or you just want to stick um, with some... I always just put the notes in order of, as I notice them, so they're right. kind of in bring, order of movie. Bring your so fastball. The first, the first thing was a weird mix of space and grounded traditional Africa. So, like, I had no idea there would be, like, a space sci-fi futuristic element to this movie. Okay. Um, like, I liked how... I like the whole angle of how Wakanda is this third world country and they can't even feed their people, but then like there's a sci-fi way to go underground and like they have, it's like Dubai or something. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I thought that Lupita Nyong'o, love you Lupita, um, her thought of like wanting to use the wealth of Wakanda, it's like the, the conflict of people wanting to use their power and wealth to help people but then sure you know the the wakandan royalty family realizing well if we let someone in then our whole secret can be blown and uh, that seems like a really legitimate concern you know yeah absolutely i mean going into the movie and definitely afterwards there was this term that was thrown about in different pieces that people were writing about black panther the term was afrofuturism like, what would an African society look like if if Whitey had never, you know, set foot on the continent? And, you know, this is definitely a look into potentially what could have happened. And, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's part of the whole concept is this sort of uh, imperialism versus nativism. And the movie really tries to flip that on its head. And we get Killmonger, who is wants to... Uh, you know, flip the script and make Wakanda the place that is the empire, this, the, the Rome to a new African empire. But, you know, that's the question that T'Challa and all his crew are asking is like, you know, to build Rome, you had, there was a lot of bloodshed required. Could we probably do it? Yes. Is that what we should do? And that's, therein lies sort of the dilemma in the movie. But yeah, it's, it's a heavy question to ask. It's a heavy question to even think of in the beginning, which is which is in and of itself like credit to the writers who were Kugler and a dude named last name Cole. Dang it, I can't come up with his name. Uh, Joe Robert Cole. And uh, yeah, I remember hearing you say out loud when they went through like in the ship 
they went through like the bubble thing and like Okoye says this never gets old yeah, or yeah. maybe it was T'Challa who says that and like they go through the bubble and it's all space city and like mm-hmm. you see like a monorail you were like whoa something that I was thinking though like it seemed like there could have been a happy medium where they could have kept the Wakanda wealth secret and also, in a very sly way, helped the Wakandan people who were very poor. Like, hello, it's called, like, Swiss bank accounts, offshore bank accounts. You know what I mean? Like, there's ways to sure. secretly, in, like, um, what am I thinking? Like, drug fronts. You know, when you see, like, a Fred's fish fry. Money laundering. Yeah, thing. like, there's, there, there could have been a way to infiltrate. Western society. No, I mean, or... infiltrate their money and power to help the poor people of Africa still. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wish it would. I guess it, the the movie wouldn't even have had the same plot, but or yeah. any plot at all. But I wish there. I feel like there is a way for both people to win. I, but, yeah, anyway. I mean, I I feel you. I I think that you know, and that's definitely where we go to in the at the end of the movie. By the end of the movie, T'Challa is convinced by Nakia Lupita Nyong'o's character that. Um, you know that there probably can be Wakanda can ma- maintain its strength, but also um, help out abroad as well. And that's why they establish that. I think they call it the outreach center or whatever in mm-hmm. Oakland, in the same spot where his uncle, where his father killed his uncle. And then also, um, you know, they have the press conference at the UN where that jackass UN ambassador is like, "What can Wakanda possibly bring to the table?" And we get the sly look from T'Challa. Um, but yeah, it remains to be seen what repercussions this has in the future of the franchise. Uh, so are we doing this like we're going plot line by plot line? We can we have notes and like. Do we want to do it where we just talk about what was cool? Because that's kind of what we did last time. Let's talk about what was cool. Okay. Keep going. Give me. I thought the, the the battle for power scene was awesome. Which, like which the one? one, like the very beginning with the waterfall where. To oh ch- yeah, to crown the king. Right, yeah. T'Challa was battling, and then the other guy from Mbaku. Another, Mbaku, which I have something to say about him later. But right. were they the only ones that fought? Yes, okay. at that first part. Yeah, yeah, yeah because they was- they were like th- this was when. Um, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character, um, z- z- something with a Z, um, he he asks all the different chi- tribes if there is uh, a challenger, and um, everybody they kind of go around the circle, and he's like uh, no, Zuri. Zuri asks everybody if there's a challenger, and all the other tribes are like, nah. Yeah. And then finally, the Jabari tribe, who never shows up to these things, it seems like they show up. And the leader of the Jabari tribe, Mbaku, played by Winston Duke, is like, I do have something to say, bruh. Yeah, I just thought like that was such a good example of the tradition. You know, it was like ritualistic. Yeah. And, um, you know, even in the end when he's fighting Michael B. Jordan and he loses, they're like, that's the ritual. Like, it's fair combat. It'd be um, like that. And so it was just like kind of cool to see like, you know, it's not family bloodline taking over the, the you know, the country year after year after year it's like if you want this you have to earn it right. and come fight for it um so i just thought it was really cool like with the spears going in each time over the waterfall very dramatic and yeah. normally oh, in moments like that i'm like my heart is racing but i'm like this is the beginning of the movie julian like T'Challa's not gonna die <laughs> what did you did you think 
maybe differently when when Michael B. Jordan shows up. Yeah, and he Michael take, B. Jordan he, was crazy. He takes off his shirt and he's like jacked to the maximum. Yeah. Did you start to think, oh shit? Yeah, <laughs> he could lose this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. It was just it was later in the movie. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Um, is there anything you want to say? So far in the movie. I mean, I, I shit, I took a shitload of notes, but I love the fact that this movie started off in 1992. Once again, we have the second Marvel movie in a row that we've watched anyway that starts off in the early 90s. So uh, we had 1991 with Tony's people mm-hmm. uh, at, at the beginning of Civil War. Now we have 1992. And in Oakland, California, the kids are playing basketball. I think somebody had like a Reggie Jackson jersey, which is – or a, uh, a – uh, it was a Ricky Henderson jersey. Anyway, so they, they're they playing basketball, and they think they see like a UFO over oh, the building. Right, yeah. And then this is where we get um, Sterling K. Brown's character. Who I'm that, not sure if I like that casting. Really? I mean, I like him. Interesting. He just, he just has such a reputation because of um, This Is Us. Um, mm. I'm just like a really, really good guy. Mm. And I feel like... I don't know. I have something to say about him in a second, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I like that scene, and we get like we get T'Chaka as older Black Panther, and we get our first taste of the Wakandan culture and stuff like that. And uh, it sort of st- sets the stage for the rest of the movie, where this is like a major theme, but just the abandonment of children in in their culture. And I think it speaks obviously to you know. Other problems uh, and other issues um, in African American culture. I think that Ryan Coogler was trying to address that directly. That there are too many people that are getting left by the wayside by their own people. Um, obviously, I can't speak a whole lot on that, but um, it, it felt very powerful. It was a statement, and to do that the way he did it, you had to have that opening scene where you get, you know, the kid who we learn later is. Killmonger Eric downstairs watching the spaceship fly away as he's getting abandoned. He doesn't know it at the time, but his dad just got killed by his uncle. Mm-hmm. There's people killing their own people, and that's incredibly tragic. And um, yeah, I, I just thought that's one hell of a way to start the story off. And we revisit that apartment multiple times during the movie later on in his dream sequence when he takes the heart shaped herb. And kind of goes to the afterlife or whatever. Um, and we come back to that. Like, I remember literally almost crying. I was almost, I was also like hammered when I saw this for the first time in the theater. I was like, you were hammered? The no, night? I was in the theater. I'm pretty sure I was ripped at the time. But I remember like being deeply emotional watching Michael B. Jordan act his way through this scene with Sterling K. Brown. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it had me fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, are you talking about at the very end where he's like looking, like looking back on it, and like, he's well, the, like in the he's like in the room with his dad, but as an older Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really sad. Yeah, that was crazy. But it was very, it was very telling because when we meet Michael B. Jordan, he's like psycho and like crazy and like obviously like has something to prove. Um, and then at the end, you see him kind of become vulnerable and understand why he is the way he is. And I just think that's a really good reminder that. People are the way they are for a reason, and mm-hmm. there's two sides to every story. Like even Sterling K. Brown, is that his name? Sterling K. Brown. Yes. I don't know his real name is. Um, Kevin, probably. Kevin. Sterling K. Brown. You know his family felt like they, but be- he betrayed them. But really, he wasn't. He felt justified in helping the Wakandan people, and felt like he was doing something good. 
you know, it's not like he was some evil person who like, you know what I mean? He wanted to, right. he wanted to help people. Um, and so I just think at the very least, what this movie has taught us is like, just hear people's point of view before you point fingers. And then maybe they won't end up dead. Yeah, that's completely fair, I think. Um, what was my other note here? I was about to say it. Oh, yeah. I, I have something else to say about Michael B. Jordan. All right, do it. When he comes up and he beats T'Challa and he's like the king or whatever, um, and he starts burning the eternal flowers. Is that what they're called? They're called the heart-shaped herb. Heart-shaped herb. And he's like, burn them, burn them all. I'm the only king. Right. Um, that reminded me of the hubris of Thor. Ooh. And how in the first movie, when his dad was like, you're not ready to be king because you're just like cocky and you think you know everything and you just want to... It also reminds me of... Interesting comparison, babe. Yeah. This is a really bad comparison, but what's his name? Joffrey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Kill me. I fucking hate that kid. I hope he burns in hell. He did. Um... But, you know, it's like, that's how you can tell that a king is not ready to rule his people when they're just, like, so hungry for war and money and power. Like, it's just not a good look. I totally agree. That's a really good comparison. Very interesting. You know, in general, Michael B. Jordan's character, um, Indijaka, or Eric, um, is generally reviewed, generally um, considered one of the best, if not the best, villains in the entire MCU because he's so multifaceted. And mm-hmm. it's telling that he's the one we're talking about right now, not T'Challa. Mm-hmm. You know, like T'Challa is not conflicted in any way. Like he is a good dude with a great family scene, a cool sister, cool semi girlfriend. He's got. He's the most interesting relationship maybe is with his best friend Wakabi, who played by Daniel Kaluuya, who yeah. Kaluuya, who um, you know kind of betrays him, but he's got his own motivations because his parents were killed by Claw thirty years ago or whatever, and so that he's the one who brings Killmonger to mm-hmm. the capital and is like, look who I got here, so. Uh, but, you know, so T'Challa is otherwise not really conflicted. He's a good guy. We get that. But um, Killmonger is, and that's why we're talking about him and why he's still talked about today. Yeah. And it is, let me preface this by saying it is 100% inappropriate to speculate about Black Panther Part 2 because Chadwick Boseman is dead and they have already said they will not recast T'Challa. Yeah, which is the appropriate decision. That's like um, retiring Kobe's jersey. Wow. what? A, yeah, you're right. Um, but, like, there's people even now calling for somehow to figure out a way for, for Michael B. Jordan's character to come back. And, and like actually, rule the kingdom in a positive way. Yeah, come back. Like, you know, maybe Bast, the panther god, sends him back. He gets to the... You know, the savanna of the afterlife and the the old kings tell them, you know what, you are worthy, but you need more work. You know, in the same way that Thor was cast out of Asgard for being unworthy. You just needed some time to think about it. Yeah, maybe they cast him back out of the the eternal uh, afterlife or whatever because he's not ready to be there either. So. Mm Uh, I don't know. It's difficult to say, but you know that that just that's very telling about his characters, how much he was liked, and how dynamic an actor. And I mean, frankly, he's a superstar outside of the MCU. He was great. 
He's already a superstar before he was ever in this movie. Um, well, you were right that he has like that Morgan Freeman voice of just like calm and like confident. You're talking about Bozeman. Yes. Yeah. And Royal. Like he just, he was, whoever cast him did an amazing job. And I thought the first scene with Michael B. Jordan when he's in the museum, I loved his look. Um, That's costume, baby. I loved his hair. I loved his style. And I loved his attitude at the beginning because you don't know he's bad yet. Yeah. And then his really overly bad. I just, I don't like that personality type in real life or in movies. Like just overly cocky, pow- like power hungry. To me, that is the, how do I say this? Least favorable human trait, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what else, do you have any before we move on to other stuff? Do you have any other Michael B. Jordan specific notes mm-hmm. slash Killmonger slash how he ties into other stuff? No, not really. All right, can we talk about Shuri? Who's that? T'Challa's sister. Oh, yep, I have something right here that says right. sister is annoying. Whoa. <laughs> Really? Uh-huh. All right. I liked her more towards the end. All right, give it to me. Tell me. I just thought, like, I get what they were trying to do. Like, she's the one who's silly and, like, raises she her hand during bring, a ritualistic battle. And brings like, a little levity, and she's having fun. She's yeah. goofy. Yes, and I, I got that. It just seemed unnatural to me. It didn't seem like it worked. Um, I did like how she was really smart. Yeah. Because God forbid we have a smart African American young lady. So I thought that was really nice that she was like the brains behind everything. And yeah. I thought it was really cool what um, she introduced with the Black Panther uniform. Um, you know, like how you it like takes a lot of bullets and then it takes in all the energy and then it like right. spits it back out. Right. Like, I thought that was really cool. She is the, to put it in James Bond terms, she's the Q of this movie. She's the quartermaster and she kind of has her own base where she's working on gadgets and stuff like she's that. She's like the Russian person in the van. Who's like try, like typing feverishly, like trying to figure? <laughs> I need the out. coordinates, yeah. Chloe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought she was kind of annoying and kind of cheese ball, uh, but towards the end, I liked her more. You know, there are certain plot lines of the Black Panther comic book where Shuri becomes Black Panther. Oh, cool! So there's definitely some speculation out there that, that Catwoman. What? Just made a joke. Uh, I, oh, I get it. No, that's DC. Go go to some other website for your DC news. That ain't, that won't be this one. Um, but no, there's there's definitely people that are calling for her to be cast as the Black Panther oh, in, that would be cool. in part two. So we get a female-led... I mean, in theory, like she's probably the next in succession if, if T'Challa were to somehow die in the MCU. So... Uh, it remains, again, not appropriate to really talk about or speculate about. We put our trust in Ryan Coogler to sort through that situation and, you know, do do Bozeman some justice. But, yeah, I mean, generally Shuri is very well liked. Her name is Leticia Wright, mm-hmm. and she has uh, definitely gotten mad props for her role in this. I, I thought she was pretty... I get where you're coming from, that it's a little over the top, a little it's annoying. Like but, but yeah, I mean, she definitely, you need some levity in the movie because there's not really a lot of comedic moments, and she brings that. She's the only character, really, that brings that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, she yeah. provides a counterpoint mm-hmm. to the regality that is T'Challa. Yeah. So, with the, it's one thing I got, I do think it's appropriate to point out is how dated some of the jokes are a little bit like 
the what are those? Oh my gosh, I know. I was like, like, like that. I was not looking at anyone, and I was like, like in the theater, <laughs> in the theater in 2018, that shit hit in the audience like everybody was dying laughing but now you know we're three years removed from that and almost to the day and that was really corny yeah and there's a couple other ones that are like okay all right but you know i get it something that i did take note of was the tech in this movie was so cool like the iron man stuff it's like obviously he has so much money and he's like supposed to be futuristic like that's his thing Uh um and i'd like even for instance, when they um, have like video messages, it's not like computerized. It's like this black dust yeah, technology. The, yeah, it's like nanotech yeah. stuff. And it's like the soil of Africa is like fueling their technology. Mm, like I just I like felt that. like it was so cool that like it was still tech heavy, but in like a more natural way. Right. Um, like even I really liked when the sister was driving the car. But like Black Panther was like on top of the car. Yeah, like She's the like holog- the hologrammy thingy. Yeah, yeah. So much of the tech was cool, and I really liked that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, um, yeah, definitely a strong point to the movie. And I will say that I, I had a theory. This can be found deep in my Twitter account somewhere, but uh, at Brandon, that I was thinking that somehow, like the vi- so there was this super cool um, creation myth at the beginning of the movie, right? Where it was like, he said, Baba, tell me a story. And he's Mm -hmm. like, let me tell you about how Wakanda came about. And so he talked about like an asteroid hits the middle of Africa and the asteroid is made out of vibranium. And that's actually where we literally get the vibranium for Captain America's shield. Mm -hmm. And also vision is made of vibranium. You will recall. And, and love you. Shout out vision. And then, um, and also black Panther suit is made out of vibranium. And so I was always th- – and that powers their technology, obviously. I speculated on Twitter way back in the day that I was thinking that there was going to be a infinity stone in the vibranium asteroid or whatever. And I thought that might be the reason why the vibranium is so powerful is that there was one of, one of the hidden – like because at this point – after Civil War, I think we knew about. Now, maybe at the end of Age of Ultron, we knew we know the existence of four of the Infinity Stones. So there's two that we still don't know the whereabouts of. And I was thinking one of them, one of the ones we're missing at this point in the timeline, is the Soul Stone. And I was thinking maybe it's like a little bit too on point and on the nose that <laughs> the uh, nation of of black people is where the soul stone <laughs> is lying. Soul. I was like, yeah, that does it. That's a little too on the nose. But also, I was kind of thinking maybe that's what powers all of their technology. But it turns out that that is not, in fact, the case. I know that to be the case now. You may not necessarily, but it was never revealed here in this movie. So, mm. anyway. Those are all the notes that I have. I mean, okay. I know that there's a, there was that. Very active fight scene at the end, so... Yeah, giant battle. Did that do anything for you, or was that more of the same in terms of... Yeah, it was kind of the same. I did like... I I did find myself thinking, like, I'm definitely more into this, because I was just more invested in this movie as a whole. I remembered what you said, that, like, you can learn something about how someone fights and, like, those fight scenes, so I tried to pay a little more attention, and I did find that... 
Um, I'm, I'm forgetting now because I feel like it was a few days ago, like exactly what happened in the fight scene. But I do remember being present and liking it and realizing like, wow, the way they fight is different. Yeah. You know, like according to their culture. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, at the big battle scene, like I, and I look at it now and I'm like, man, the rhinos are kind of corny, but it's, oh, yeah, yeah. Fairly, it's kind of, uh, Lord of the Ringsy with that giant elephants in Return of the King. These, we got battle rhinos, which is a pretty cool concept, frankly. But as far as like executing it, I'm not sure it's super, super duper worked. Um, but very, I do very Jumanji. Yeah. But I do like the idea that. Um, Killmonger fought with Okoye and the Dora and Milaje and then also um, Nakia and Shuri also fought him. So mm-hmm. uh, Nakia wore the Dora Milaje uh, outfit. She was like, I'm not Dora. And she was like, it's armor. Just put it on. And then Shuri goes out there with like her Black Panther like fists that shot like oh, sonic yeah. waves or whatever. That mm-hmm. was pretty sick. And yeah, then Meanwhile, T'Challa is over there kind of out in the field fighting with all of the uh, tribesmen, Wakabi's people, which is unfortunate. Did you pick up that Wakabi and Okoye are married? Oh, yes. I knew they were in a relationship. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know they were married. Yeah, they were married. And then they kind of – it comes to blows with them. And then he finally – he finally submits and is like, all right. You know, he kind of looks around and there's that moment where – Hey, we're all Wakandans here, dude. We're our people killing our people, which again is a is a major theme in the film. I feel like, but the uh, the Jabari tribe shows up when it's when they need to at the end. They're sort of the water boy showing up at the halftime moment mm-hmm. to uh, you know play linebacker for the good guys. So that was pretty cool. You said you had a note about Winston Duke playing. Yeah, Mbaku. I just feel like he when they went to go ask him for help when the uh, snow scene. Dead. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the snow. Yeah, before we find out that um, he's in the snow, um, you know, he like act, comes off all tough, and right. then he like breaks that. And he's all laughing. I don't like that no? because it it discredits his villainism. But he was never a villain. He but he was a tribe against all of those people. Yeah, but I mean, against everyone else, like not I really. mean, I guess he wasn't a villain. He, but. he. I mean, it's to the point that you said earlier. I mean, he has his. It's his right as a member of the or the leader of the Jabari tribe that he can challenge T'Challa in that ritualistic combat, right. and that doesn't make him a bad guy. It just means he thinks he's stronger, yeah. and he's humbled by T'Challa, who yeah, wins the fight. Yeah, because then he was like. You spared me my life. Now, you know, I'm, I'll help you out. So that yeah. was nice. That was very honor yeah. and tradition. Yeah. And, like yeah. and in a way, I mean, I, you know, he kind of represents the, maybe like the ideal Wakandan. He is strong. He wants to be stronger. But when he, but when it comes time to take his place, the place that he should have, he, you know, he's like, all right, deal. I'm going to uphold the old ways and keep my people on the, the throne not this new new guy up jumped american dude or whatever so yeah i mean shout out mbaku he uh, uh maybe uh was the most wakandan of everybody yeah so it's just like the same idea of like mike or uh Nick Fury. <laughs> uh, Mike Fury? Mike Fury is my brother. Tyson Fury. Nick Fury, Fury like, 
dying, but then not really dying. It's just like, okay, I don't know. It's just like stick with what you're going to do and then like back it up. Yeah. You know, to, to that point that you're making, I was listening to, there's a guy named C. Robert Cargill who lives here in Austin. I've actually been reading his shit uh, since the late nineties when he was writing for ain't it cool news here in Austin. He has a pot and he's also one of the writers of Dr. Strange, which is probably the next movie we're going to watch. And, uh, he actually said on his podcast the other day, uh, he has a podcast called, um, junk food cinema. And he said that that trope that you're mentioning where one of the main characters dies, but you know, he's coming back is kind of a storytelling sin because, it leaves the audience hanging. You're watching the movie, but you're waiting for another thing to happen that you know will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes you out of all the other stuff that's going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, and I tend to agree with that. Like, I think that there were interesting things happening during this movie when T'Challa was quote-unquote dead. Mm-hmm. But... Um, that was the scene when Killmonger burns the heart-shaped herb and he rolls out his plan to provide weapons, Wakandan weapons to all of their war dogs all over the, the, the world and stuff. So I was into the things that were happening, but he is right. I think that when a thing is going to happen that you know is going to happen, hasn't happened yet, you're taken out of the movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, um, I don't know, I guess when... T'Challa died. I don't really remember. I mean, it was pretty believable to me. Yeah, I mean, he was taught. He was he had his ass kicked with mm-hmm. a. He was he gotten cut pretty severely a couple times. Yeah. Maybe inside the leg cut. Maybe one oh, ac- yeah. across Ooh. the belly. Yeah, and then so he was, tossed his ass over the waterfall. Yeah, and it was believable to me. Yeah, um, but then he came back, and you know. I guess the way that he was found makes sense. It wasn't just magically alive and decided yeah. he could fly now. Like, he was in the water freezing to death and, like, his people, you know, like, that other The king's, Jabari. The Jabari. Dude. It was a fisherman, he yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, Like, found his body. Like, that seems pretty natural. Yeah. So then we get the b- final battle scene, which pitted Black Panther versus Black Panther. We get the purple suit versus gold suit. And, uh... Yeah, they're they're beating each other's asses, and they kind of monologue a little bit back and forth. And ultimately, T'Challa beats Killmonger using a cool move. And how about that death scene where, man, that was brutal. Where Killmonger says, um, he says, "It's like my ancestors. My ancestors knew that uh, would rather jump off the boat than go oh, to America because yeah. even they knew that being in." Or dying was better than bondage. He's like, what's the point of me living? Like, you're just going to make me a prisoner or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, how'd that make you feel? I mean, that was heavy shit very, for a Marvel movie, isn't very it? Very Black History Month. I mean, I struggle with trying to teach my fifth graders about Black History Month and slavery and how the, the horrors of it. And when you... Th- I don't want to get into it. But I think it was very appropriate. If people are uncomfortable with that, then too bad because that is our country's history and i think that was a good way to in a very intense way sneak it in they didn't go on and on about it no i i thought the same thing like you know there these are really really intense themes of american history and culture that are woven into the fabric of america whether you like it 
or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And shout out to people at Disney and Marvel for incorporating that heavy of a, of a thing. To do that, yeah. yeah they could to have gotten be- a lot of backlash. I'm sure they did. No, not really. I mean, to be fair, like this movie was universally loved. I'm sure Rightfully- white, white supremacists didn't like it. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude. I mean, there were people that were like freaking out when when Idris Elba was cast as Heimdall in Thor. They were like, "There's no black Asgardians." Yeah, I mean, there are definitely detractors out there in the deep corners of the internet. But I mean, you know, to to sneak this sort of thematic stuff into a movie that was already, I mean, it's our, as we've established, you know, it was game changing because it was like the first real, you know, black superhero. Mm-hmm. And it might be noted that this is by quite a bit the highest grossing film ever made by a black filmmaker. And... Um, it made $1.3 billion. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards and won three of them. Like this movie showed up, showed up and planted a flag in a very major way. It was a great movie. It, it lived up to all the hype. Yeah. I loved it. So now do you, uh, now that you've seen it and kind of, man, I, this is one of those, this is one where I wish you could have seen it when it came, like the, yeah. the excitement level, the hype level and, the energy in the theater the night that this came out was absolutely mind blowing, and it's a credit to the movie that it even hold that it holds up to that now. Honestly, yeah, I think also for anyone who doesn't want to go on the movie Marvel Movie Quest, I think that movie would work just by itself. I think so too. You know, yeah, you I think watch it and understand what's going on. I think so too. Like, there's a little bit maybe that you would miss with the claw stuff because he was in Ultron. And I mean, no, not even the Everett Ross stuff. You're like, eh, okay, he's a CIA guy. You, like, you don't really miss a whole lot knowing that he was in Civil War because I'm pretty sure you don't even remember him in Civil War, right? I remember him a little bit. <laughs> and then, of course, we get the scene at the end with Bucky. They call him the White Wolf. He's in like a in a hut, and uh, the kids are calling him White Wolf and stuff. But other than that, there's you're right. There's oh, I mean, I guess the movie opens with T'Chaka, his father. Having just been killed, but it but it covers that. Yeah, like it, it rewinds to that. So, what did you think about just in general, like the spiritual scenes where he meets his father on Aww. the? Did did this movie and then that scene in particular give you a little bit of a Lion King vibe? Yeah, and of course, the Lion King is mostly based on Hamlet, the Shakespearean classic, where. You know, uh, hey, my dad died. Dad was the king. Now I'm the king. Uh, he gets run out of town for a little bit by Uncle Scar. Uh, he has a spiritual awakening, and he comes back to reclaim the throne that was his, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Even like with the Lion King, I mean, Simba sees uh, Mufasa like in the – he goes out and is hanging out with Rafiki in a field. In the stars, yeah. Yeah, and he like sees his father and he speaks to his father out on the open savanna, right? I'm sure that is rooted in African beliefs, which is all that matters. So what do I think about it? I thought it was beautiful. And to think that we are standing on the shoulders of our ancestors is a beautiful thought. Far out, far out. Okay, anything else to say about Black Panther? Loved it. How many How many Black Panthers would you give it? Uh, nine, 9.5. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not the perfect movie, but damn it, it's close. Yeah, it was good. It is pretty good damn movie. close. It is I would recommend it for sure. An absolute breath of fresh air then when it came out and now. And yeah, I I look forward to the next Marvel movie. So uh, let's let's keep it rolling. Woo!
As always, thank you for listening to the Movie Quest podcast presented by NerdNexus.com. That's nerd-nexus.com. Make sure you visit the website regularly to check out new and bizarre articles about random bullshit that you've never heard of, perhaps. Go ahead and find us on social media. We're pretty active on Instagram and Twitter. And make sure you're tuning in to new episodes of the podcast every week or so, give or take. Please rate us highly wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, we'll catch you next time, nerds.